0: Ultimately, if you look back at your year, there's probably like somewhere between eight to 12 decisions you made in that year that determine the success of your business in that year. It happens every time. And I started thinking about that. I was like, wow, when you start looking backwards, you're like, these few decisions I made determined whether we hit our budget, whether we exceeded our budget, whether we won or we thought it was a rough year. Welcome to One Next Step the most practical business podcast in the world, helping you get more done, grow your business and lead your team with confidence with tips and tools you didn't get in business school. Here are your hosts, Trisha Shortino and Lisa Ziveld.
1: Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business so it stops running you. I'm Trisha, And I'm LZ. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that's incredibly important
2: to every leader, decision making.
1: Yes, Jeff Schinnebarger is the CEO of Plywood People and former leader at Catalyst. He's the author of 3 amazing books, Yes or No about decision making, More or Less about excessive generosity, and most recently Love a Work about work-life balance for working couples. He's a busy guy and we're excited to have him.
2: Yeah, today Jeff is going to chat with us about decision making as leaders. In this episode, he'll help us understand how to make the right choices even in difficult circumstances, discover our decision-making style, and use our style to benefit our teams and organization. I hope you enjoy our conversation with Jeff Shinnebarger. Welcome, Jeff. It is so great to have you here on One Next Step. How are you doing today?
0: I'm great. It's good to be here. I'm just coming off vacation, so I'm, I'm on top of the world. Let's go.
2: <laughs> I love that I love that yeah you were sharing with us before we started recording that you take these big family adventures and you did a road trip to Maine that's awesome
0: yeah we my wife and I a few years back we um had to really start processing like what you know what's a win for us what what does a year look like for us mm-hmm. and my wife is she works at Grady Hospital in the inner city in Atlanta. I do nonprofit work and so both of us like our missions are always colliding our purpose is colliding. Mm. And so we decided to, every year we take the month of June off. It's kind of a down month for our schedules. Well, hers is constant, but for for me. And um, it gives us a chance to reconnect together as a couple and to spend an excessive amount of time with our kids. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, yeah, this year we got in a car and drove to Maine. And if I did it, we had a great time. If I did it again, I would probably fly, but you know, we're good. (laughs)
1: i mean maine's kind of a road trip from georgia so that's a trek yes
0: Yes. we but it was cool we saw the whole east coast we you know on these trips you you create these experiences with your kids that you can never never replace and um so it, it was great
2: yeah well you look very relaxed and we're I'm super happy to have you right off of that. So that way you're just in a Zen mode and and ready to talk to us about all things leadership. So we like to start these off with a kind of a silly question, you know, get you comfortable. Again, I don't know if you need to relax at all, but, you know, just get you comfortable. And our question for you is, what is the strangest gift you've ever received?
0: Yeah.
1: That's a hard one. That's a hard (laughs) question. I'm I'm trying to think of one.
0: It's funny. I'm hoping my father-in-law doesn't listen to this, but <laughs> <Uh-oh, no. laughs> one, true story. One year for Christmas, you know, like, I don't know if I, every family opens up presents differently. Some people, my wife and I realized this, like some people, like everyone opens all at once. And, right. and obviously not everyone celebrates Christmas, but our family does. Some people all, all at once. Other people our my family was like one at a time. You kind of, you want to have the reaction. Same. So I've been trying to convince their family over time to do the one at a time. They're all at one type of person. Well, anyway, one year for Christmas, he got me a, um, you know, like a, a a thing to check your weight, like like a, a scale that you stand on for weight. I was like this is from my father. I'm like, I don't think that, I don't think that's like an encouraging <laughs> gift to receive. No. Why? Like, what was, What? What was are you trying to
2: of- tell me? Is there,
1: yes. is there, is there, is there an underlying meaning to this
0: gift? I was I, like, here's a scale. Uh, well,
1: yeah, I, I
0: remember that night I was with my wife and I'm like, I, what was your dad trying to say? I, I don't know. Anyway, I think it was a re honestly, but, uh, that was probably. I mean, the I could see
2: if, if you're like on a health and wellness journey and like, mm-hmm. hey, I know you you've an old scale. I'm gonna give you the new one. Measures like the water weight or whatever. But no, I mean, out of the blue, I would take I would take offense by that. I'm. Gonna I mean, I'm like, a, I'm like a I'm like a
0: body positive person. Like, let's you know, like regardless of size, interest, like let's just have healthy lif- lifestyles. So anyway, that was probably the weirdest. Yeah. Funnest, I forget the question you asked, but it was a, I'll Strangest. never forget that <laughs> yeah. Gift. Strangest, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. No, that's, a strange that's a good one. one. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so T, did one. you come up with something? No, I've, no. I was so intently listening to Jeff that I stopped thinking about what the weirdest gift is I ever got. <laughs> <laughs> that is a hard question. Yeah. I mean, that,
2: that's, you know, yeah. I think there's been a lot of unique gifts over the years. Like you know, everybody gets the gift that you don't know what
0: to do with it.
2: Hmm. right you're like oh thank you I what do I do with this now you know yeah the yeah but I'm a gift water. like that yeah. gifts are
0: my love language so it's a big deal for me like I love oh, okay. I love receiving gifts and I love giving gifts so I try so to So you really were like you don't know
1: it. me this is
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah yeah <laughs> yeah one other strange gift we got one time this is back when I was having a I used to work at an event called Catalyst. And, uh, there's this, I'm, I don't know if he's ever been on your podcast, but a guy named Bob Goff. he's a bigger than life yes. personality
1: Love Bob. and he
0: had hung out at our office for a while. And then he has this tendency. He, he sends, uh, ducks to people. There's this website that you can get a box of live ducks, ducks. and they, and they send it as a gift to you. And then it's just like, you got to figure out what you're going to do with it. It's ducks. with a bunch of ducks. A bunch wow. of this So he did that to our that, office one time
1: too. Oh, that wow. would be exciting and at the same time as surprising. And that's it. Yeah. And then what do you do with them? What do you, I mean,
0: you feel responsible. Right. I mean, it's humanely, like, what, if, what do you do uh, with you a box of right? ducks? <laughs> I think. I mean, chickens,
2: them, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I think ducks are probably easier to find something to do with than a chicken.
1: The local pond. I
0: mean. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Thing. So that, that was another,
1: hey, strange that's, a wow. yeah. that's a good one. Wow. That's a good one. Wow. That yeah. was a perfect transition into your journey, Jeff, as you kind of yeah. mentioned being a leader at catalyst, you've had a journey. So I'd love to talk a little bit about your journey as a leader at catalyst and to where you are now as the CEO of plywood um, and how you got from there to here.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it starts actually a lot earlier than catalyst. I, um, I'm the son of a pastor. My dad, I grew up like I probably spent more time at my church than I did at my house. You know, it's like I was always there. I found ways to play basketball on wherever I could on racks that you hang clothes and stuff. Um, But my dad was the first assistant pastor for a a guy named John Maxwell. And Maxwell is very well known for his leadership. He's a leadership guru. So I've known John Maxwell since I was one years old and um, early on. My dad used to pay us, and John would do this with his kids too, they would pay us to read leadership books. So my dad would go on a conference with John and with other people, Zig Ziglar and Ken Blanchard, all these like historical leadership guru guys. And he'd come back with a box of books and he'd hand them out to me and my sisters. And he'd say, all right, you get these ones, this one's, this one's for you. And he'd pay us $10 to read a book. And to highlight it, underline it, and give him a synopsis, a one-page synopsis of the book. So we didn't realize at the time, but my dad never read any of the books. He oh. would give them all to us, and then Cliff he'd, notes. Yeah, he, he would give the shinabarger <laughs> <the> <laughs> notes, the family notes, and he'd integrate them into his sermons. And so he'd say these quotes that we had underlined to him. And it's like,
2: "Oh my gosh. Finally that's brilliant. we were like.
0: We know what you're doing. We're yeah, helping you we're write right. your sermons right now, right? Yeah. And um, so all Lies. that to say, I, I started reading this stuff. I mean, I did every personality test as a kid. Um, when I was 19, I became an intern. At that time, it was called Enjoy, John Maxwell's organization. And mm-hmm. um, over time, got the opportunity to lead this event called Catalyst, which was a super creative event. Yeah, and start, so we started to pull these people together. It was all about young leaders. I remember the president at that time said to me, Jeff, you're 24 years old leading a 12,000-person event. And they said, whatever tension you're currently feeling, everyone else your age probably is feeling the same thing. So start building mm-hmm. content around that stuff. And so I, I would start inviting speakers. I would just read a lot. I would listen to things, searching the internet, trying to find people to share their stories. And in the midst of that, I, I got to start a bunch of projects myself. And one of these projects, uh, my wife and I started, it was called giftcardgiver.com, where we collect unused gift cards and gave them to people in need. So there would be 23 cents or 27 cents on it. And it it, it just began. I created a website with my friend. My wife and I started doing it. People started sending us gift cards. There is an article in the Atlanta Journal Constitution. and um, this guy who's now the editor of the AJC, it's now called, uh, he wrote this article. This was in 2006, 2007, when the economy was crashing. And he said, nonprofits are not giving funding. They're really struggling in that time. And I mm-hmm. sent him an email back as the writer. And I said, well, people are sending me gift cards from all over the nation. We just created a little webpage. He said, I want to do a story on it. So the next day he's doing a story on this little project we were doing on the side. And in two weeks, we had national stories written in CNN. I mean, CNN was in our living room, all these different things. And sorry, this is a long story, but this is how it happened. This little project turned into all these stories. And then I started getting connected to all these people, people like, like the two of you. I mean, they had some passion project they were working on. And someone would connect me. Some stranger would connect me. You need to connect with Jeff. He he did this little gift card giver project, and maybe he can help you. And that started this whole community called Plywood People, um, a community of startups doing good. I started getting involved in hundreds and hundreds of these projects. So that's the long story, uh, but a synopsis of of how it all came to be.
2: Yeah, no, I love that. So but there was a little bit of a turn, uh, and and I'm sorry, I'm going to go off the the beaten path here. But from reading leadership books to having a heart to help others, so like you really went from creating opportunities and, of course, being in ministry. But for you and your wife to have a, a heart to help the non to help nonprofits, like where did that come from? Was it that you were really involved in a lot of nonprofits? You know, when you were younger, I mean, I'm just curious on, on that path, because I don't think I've, I've heard you talk about your journey, but I don't know that I've ever heard about that before.
0: I mean, I think that there's like this tension we all have, right, where if you don't know someone, you start talking about them in generalities, right? Mm-hmm. But when you start to actually have a relationship with someone, it changes how you view everything, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, could, you could talk about the homeless, but when you have a friend named Clarence, it's very different. You know, when you you could talk about someone in Africa, but when you have a friend named whoever that person is, it's different. And so I would say in my life, I've had the opportunity to just meet a lot of really incredible people that have a life that is different than mine. Mm -hmm. And when you're in relationship with people, it makes you see the world differently. It just does. And um, so that was the story for me in all all different times, Even, even today, like, We have this place here that we're recording this podcast in. We call it Plywood Place. It's a small co-working space in the city in a neighborhood called the West End. And us physically working out of this neighborhood makes me see the world differently because the people I work with here are different from different economic Mm -hmm. levels, different nationalities, different ethnicities. Um, different projects they're working on, they, they introduce things to me. And I, th- I think that's probably where my heart came for a lot of the projects. I've been able to get involved with them.
2: Yeah, I love that. So talk about this idea about how your daily decisions eventually shape who you are and determine your success.
0: Yeah. So man, I'm glad you, I haven't talked about this topic in a long time. This is a, <laughs> a book I wrote a, a, a while ago, but it, it is interesting. Like, I think as I've grown as a leader, I've seen like you say yes to little things and it leads to different things, right? You say no to things and it and it ends, it ends a situation. Um, and we become known really by these things we say yes and no to. I didn't have to do this gift card, funny gift card thing. And I, we don't even really do the gift card thing anymore. It was kind of a means to getting involved in all these other choices. But as a leader, I know there's actually, it's funny, like I used to be like, a, you know, I, every day I got to perform when I'm working for someone. When you're a leader, ultimately, if you look back at your year, there's probably like somewhere between eight to 12 decisions you made in that year that determine the success of your business in that year. It happens every time. And I started thinking about that. I was like, wow, when you start looking backwards, you're like these few decisions I made determined whether we hit our budget, whether we exceeded our budget, whether we won or we thought it was a rough year, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm constantly thinking about which decisions do I need to do for the success and the impact, the missional impact of our organization Mm. in the work that we do.
1: Yeah, so I imagine prioritizing that's hard.
0: Yeah, and and, and it's like the decision for us to take a month off every year. You know, I think at the core, at the core, my wife and I, we care very deep about our marriage, you know, and staying married is hard. Like I love her with everything; she's my best yeah. friend, and it is hard. Add on a couple kids, add on a dog that's mm. very needy, add on, like, <laughs> you know, this team yes. that has questions all the time. Add on the responsibilities of our lives, and it's like, so let's start there, like. If I, we say this thing to each other if we change the world and we lose our family, we lose. Like, that is not a winning equation. Now, I know there's people listening that probably are at a hard moment in their relationship right now. I've been there. Like, that's hard. And so I have to say, okay, what are my greatest priorities I have? I want my kids to know that they have a dad that loves them, you know, that is willing to spend time with them, that doesn't only prioritize their work over them. So, what do I need to do to proactively? Do that. So, yeah, we have to we have to proactively plan out time, mm-hmm. know when the seasons are that are critical for both our family and for our work, and plan accordingly.
1: Yeah, and I like how you include life with it because I think a lot of people, right, maybe listening to this, thinking you know leadership lessons and and making leadership decisions are separate. From mm-hmm. your life, they're separate from your marriage. They're separate from your lifestyle, and I'm with you on the decisions you make in work affect those in life, and those in life affect those. It's all an integrated. Their life choices um, that affect different portions of your of your whole self. So um, I think that's great counsel. I I, I love that um, that tidbit of advice.
0: We talk about for my wife and I. We talk about. Um falling in love, like the first thing you try to do, you know, you're trying to find the person you want to stay with in life or whatever. That's hard already, like trying to find Mm -hmm. that person. And then, you know, we interact with so many people that are in in our listening right now that are probably trying to figure out why they exist in this world. Like that Mm -hmm. pursuit of purpose Mm
1: -hmm.
0: is hard to find. I mean, we know that money doesn't drive any of us. Purpose actually keeps us in positions of influence or, or in the work that we do, if you're not finding purpose in it, you're looking for another job. You're on the pursuit Mm in some way. So if you find that purpose, then the third love for my wife and I was a decision we had to make. We had to learn to fall in love with each other's purpose Mm -hmm. because at the core, like we, our purposes collide constantly. Cause if you ask anyone, like whose purpose in the world is most important, it's like mine. Like, this is why I exist, right? (laughs) And then you say the person that you love the most, and you're like, well, I have to do this at 10 o'clock, and I have to do this at 10 o'clock. Who gets priority? It's like, well, me, every time. It's my purpose takes (laughs) priority. So we had to find this, like, core of learning how to, I had to fall in love with Andre's purpose Mm. and see it as maybe even more important than my own. In the last year with COVID, she's a first responder, and it's like, this is her time. Like, this was, yeah. you know, it was super hard and all of that stuff. But, like, honey, like, this is why you exist. Go and do it, you know? Yeah. And I've, I saw more joy in her this year than anything. Anyway, so that's a lot. Mm-hmm. This is, a, I'm, I'm going off on some of these. No decisions we have to make because I think that's what actually sustains us Mm -hmm. you know Yeah. yeah
1: well and that's your unique experience with decision making and everyone has a different experience so tell
2: us about the different decision making styles and the characteristics of each one
0: yeah, I'd love to know what what each of your decisions make. As I sh- as I share these, I'd love to hear what you guys okay.
1: think. We okay, we, we can guess know. each other. I, love <laughs> oh, oh. I like that. Okay, we're we'll like, do oh, that. That was Lisa. Okay. Yeah,
2: <laughs> we're a married <laughs> couple too. You didn't realize that, but, tr- but T and I are so. <laughs> yes.
0: And and you might listen and you'd be like, well, I, at different times and moments, I have a different style based on what is happening, yeah. but. The first one I'll share is mine. I'm a gut reaction decision person. This is like, I have a lot of feeling in my decisions and intuition in how that Mm -hmm. happens. So that's the first one. A lot of like emotional leaders, that's how they make decisions. The second is the list checking. This is oftentimes, uh, I had an assistant years ago that she was just like, well, my priorities are, are based on this list that I have written out. And even if you're making like a life decision and you're a list checking person, you oftentimes will probably make a, a pros and cons list um, to determine which is the right direction forward. That's the second one. The third is story living. This is my friend, Leroy Leroy Barber. I love sharing his story because he, he lives for the story. I remember one time he was working on a book oh. and it was like a Thursday and we had lunch and there's like nothing going on on Friday. I call him and he's like, I'm like, where are you? He's like, oh, I got this RV given to me. It runs off vegetable oil. And I decided to do a book tour and I left this morning and I'm all the way in <laughs> Illinois. You're like, oh my I was with you <laughs> yesterday
1: and you didn't have any, you know, like. This is my husband. It's okay. There you go.
0: That got, like that was just like, he was like, it's going to be great. Think about the adventure we're going to have, you know, like that. That's just how they think. And it's like, totally. and you love them for it, right? It's uniquely who they are. So that's the third. Um, then there's like the, the data driven people um, where everything has to line up in a numbers and sense kind of way. When my wife and I were doing, we did this project called Lover Work, learning all this stuff and this tension. And we were learning learning things qualitatively through interviews. But we had these friends that were like, well, I'm not going to believe it until I see the data, right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, oh. if, if you're a gut reaction person, it's very smart for you to have a data-driven person really close to you to give numbers to the intuition that you have. It doesn't always mm-hmm. work that way, but it can be a really good check and balance. Um, so that's fourth is data-driven. The fifth is the spiritually guided. These are... Um, I think again, we all have a friend like this that it's like they they left, they're gone. They went on this hike, they went to this mountaintop experience, they came back, and it's like, nope. This is, I had this moment with God or some spiritual being in some capacity, and they go and they're like, I, I had this spiritual moment, and now I'm my life has changed. and I'm doing this other thing forever. Yeah, because it it just mm-hmm. something spoke to them in that moment. Mm-hmm. For me, sometimes I'm like, yeah, but how is that ever going to work out? And oftentimes the spiritually, it it always works out for them. It's funny. It it ends up (laughs) happening. So there's a spiritually guided people. There's two more. Often a lot of us use this. This is collective reasoning where it's like they believe very deeply in the democracy of decision-making where you're like, let's get everyone in the room. It's like, what do you guys want? What are you going to do for dinner? What do you want to do for dinner? It's like, let's get every couple in the room, every person that we know, let's all get in a room and let's vote. And whatever the vote says, we win and we go to dinner at that place, right? And then the last is the passive, undecided person. And they legitimately will never make a decision. Yeah. So they, and they're they're genuinely okay with that. Like, it's like, uh, I have a friend and she is this way. And it's like, it's your birthday. Her name's Carrie. Carrie, it's your birthday. Where do you want to go for your birthday? She's like, honestly, I don't really care. It's like, what do you guys <laughs> want? You know, and you're like, it's your birthday. You want to give this to them. <laughs> but they're, they're, they're okay with whatever, you know? So anyway, those are the different decision-making styles we have. And you may think to yourself in different situations, I'm this or that. Sometimes I I challenge you to kind of go, the last time you bought a car, talk us through how you made that decision,
1: mm,
0: and that oftentimes a is a is a a symbol kind of of the style that you probably have.
1: Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. I could see being a combination. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. I mean, at my core, I'm definitely number one—the gut, emotional, intuitive decision maker person. Yeah, for sure, and that drives a lot of people crazy maybe around me. So I have learned to lean into data and yeah, probably just data, (laughs) maybe the listing. So like I could see how like the last time I bought a car, I knew the exact car I wanted because I liked it, right? Emotionally, I was like, that's the car I want. So, but then I spent, you know, many, many hours crunching the numbers, making it work, arguing the price, like I wasn't going to leave there feeling like I did my due diligence, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So that's almost, I don't know if that's like the data person, like really just keying in there. So that that's, that I think is me, but yeah, at my core, definitely number one, which I know LZ, you already knew that.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would have said that. I would yes. have said that. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel the same way. I mean, going back to the car, that, that's a really good kind of neutral ground, I feel like. Like, what was it like? Because certain decisions, I mean, believe me, at the end of a long day, I am the passive undecided. Like, if you come up to me, Jeff, at and, you know, it's been a long day, you know, you're like, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, I have made enough decisions today. I'm out of decisions. You can decide what we have Mm -hmm. because I'm just out of decisions, you know, right? Like, because to me at that point, it kind of doesn't matter, but only for food and only at the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, I am very opinionated. I have a lot of, (laughs) I can tell you exactly what I want. Um, So definitely gut, uh, and I'm with Trisha, data-driven, but ultimately I feel like I do a good job of planning my life. I'm very intentional about creating the life that I've always wanted. And so it kind of goes back to that list of things that are not like physical, like a car, like a decision about like what to do for my kids or what my husband and I want. Like, then it's like, okay, well, I know we want to get here, and so what are the right steps? What are the yeses that I need to say? And what are the no's to get me to here in five years and 10 years and in 20 years? And so, you know, very similar to, you know, how you and Andre sit down and talk about that. That's similar to my husband and I. So we'll, we've kind of have that planned
0: out. Lisa, I think I'm, glad, be, I'm glad you said that because I think as adults, that is the hardest thing to do. Like when my kids are... Yeah. 11 and nine, like, I, I'm like, what do you want? And they're like, uh, I want a video game and I want it this <laughs> afternoon. It's very tangible. They right, know exactly yeah. what they want, right? And, but as adults, most adults have no idea what they really want. They haven't taken, yeah. so when you think about like decision making at the core, like, if you don't know what you want or what you need for your future, you're never going to be able mm-hmm. to make good decisions. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You don't have that guiding, you don't have the guardrails for the decision if you don't know where you're trying to go. It's like you're just going into the darkness if you don't actually know where you're headed. So, how do you make a good decision if you don't know where you're trying to go?
2: Yeah. And we tell our kids, like, don't make a short term decision with long term consequences, right? Like, I Mm -hmm. like to have fun with the best of them. Like, I'm a fun person, but because I know where I want to be, I also make decisions that would never harm my chance to get there or my ability to get there. So it's like, especially children have so much emotion. And when you start to read about how your brain develops and it's not fully there, you know, until you're 25 and, you know, it's like helping them understand that this might feel fun in the moment, but is it going to get you to where you want to be long term? You know, you know. Okay, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, I'm not thinking of my kids directly, but okay, you're gonna drink and then post silly pictures on social media. Well, you're actually gonna need a job someday. And if your account isn't private, then they can see your photos. And could that harm your ability to have the job you want, to harm the life you want for your future someday? And so, you know, that's even how I think of my life too. Like, how can I, you know, which may be a little controlled. But it's the ultimate goal that I'm after. Long well, you're term. minimizing
1: bad decisions. You're trying to. Yeah, I mean, to, I'm trying. Try yeah, who no, knows? So I've right, made enough I mean, of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a stockpile over here. I could just bad pull decision from. <laughs> pile. We all yes. have those piles. Yeah. Hiding in our closets. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's a great, that's the great next kind of question really is, is we, we will, we will make bad decisions. All of us will make bad, yeah. bad decisions. Mm-hmm. You, you just, you know, you didn't know you picked the wrong t- for whatever reason. You didn't get the results mm-hmm. you wanted and it was the wrong decision. So, you know, then the question really, Jeff, is what do you do with that? How do you reconcile that? How do you respond yeah. to those poor decisions or bad decisions that you might've made?
0: Yeah, I mean, we make a lot of those, especially as <laughs> leaders. I mean, I think, you know, I've, res- I've definitely responded to my team out of emotion too often mm-hmm. and hurt people that I care very deeply about. And about a year and a half ago, or two years ago, I was raising money for this building. We were doing, raising more money than I'd ever tried to raise before. Um, while starting construction without having the money raised while also writing a book. And it was just like all these things overlapping. And as a leader, I felt responsible for all of it. I felt responsible to just succeed at all these things. And I was feeling responsible for like all these other people's projects that, you know, confide in me for advice, you know? And sometimes I think in that moment and sometimes for me that I really struggle, it's like taking on more than what I can handle, you know, like it, Mm. sometimes our burdens are too heavy to bear, you know, and I, Mm. so in that moment, I got overwhelmed, I had a, I had a breakdown, my anxiety overtook my abilities. Um, I used to call it stress, but really, it is anxiety, I started to figure out real words that, that were true to what I was experiencing. And in the midst of that, I lost team members from my team and I hurt some other team members and um, I had to go get some help in that moment, you know. And I don't know if you guys have had moments like that where you had to get some oh, yeah. therapy oh, and yeah. counsel. And, and I think through that process, what I, one of the things I realized, I've realized a lot, but is that, you know, I am going to make mistakes and I am human. And I, and I have to tell my team that and be vulnerable with it, uh, sometimes one thing I learned through that process is that um, when my emotions outweigh my ability to make decisions, oftentimes I won't make any good decisions. So, like mm-hmm. anxiety increases, and there's this realistic stat that says, for your emotions to actually come down a little bit, it will it will take at least twenty minutes. So, if I'm in a meeting oh. and my and I'm starting to act out of my emotions in an unhealthy way it's more healthy for me to tell my team that I need to take a minute and leave the office Mm -hmm. so that I can actually make a more healthy decision. And because my emotions won't come down in that minute, you know, so it's like, you're starting to learn, I think through these past mistakes, things, indicators for myself, body scans for myself of how to be a better leader going forward. Mm -hmm. That's some of the stuff I've had and I'm continually trying to work through.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a good practical tip for our listeners right now is if they feel that emotion to take 20 minutes. Any other practical tips that you use in helping to make a decision?
0: Yeah. So I think the practice of taking a walk is really healthy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like some people talk about sleep on it or like mm-hmm. if it's a major decision you're, you're trying to do like sometimes just like go for a little walk around the block or keep going till you're ready to make that decision. You know, it's amazing yeah. how the people on your team will be okay with you. If you're like, you know, I need to think about that. Like you, mm-hmm. yeah. that's an honest answer that you don't always have to have an answer in the moment. And assuming yeah. you come back to the yeah. team members and you're like, okay, the next day or in a reasonable amount of time, I thought about that. I did that. If, if you're always thinking about it, you never make decisions, then you're probably not going to be leaving people for long. But if you need to stop and ponder it, like take the time you need. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, I love that. And that's, I think it's a great practice for the people on the other side of you, especially if you're an emotionally, if you're, if you're an emotional decision maker, um, I would have the tendency to very quickly be like, yep, no, no, we're not doing that. Or yes, we're like, I just, it just comes out of me. I know, right? My emotion says yes or no immediately. Um, I realized over the years that I, I've my gut is not always right. And so I need to take a minute and and go, let me hear more about that, or let me think about it, or let me see the report. You know, kind of training myself to say, your gut is actually not always correct. Maybe it is 80% of the time, but there's 20% of the time your instinct isn't right. And so you know, stop, pause, break, take a walk, research some, di- like get some more information and then come around. And I feel like that um, the people on the other side of me also appreciate that as well.
0: Another thing I've, yeah. I'm intrigued by, so that's in situations where you don't really know what to do. You know, what do you do when you don't know what to do, I would say. But then the other side of it, I'm really intrigued by the idea that, that um, like I have a friend who's a professional basketball player. Mm-hmm. And one time I sat down with him and I was like, tell me what it means to be a pro in your mind. Cause there's like, Mm -hmm. there's, there's some people that make the NBA and they're like 19 years old, but he's like, they're not really pros yet. They're in the league, Mm -hmm. but they don't know how to deal with it. He says, most of them don't really know how to become a pro until they've been hurt. They have an injury and it changes how they operate. So for me, I'm like, I'm a nonprofit leader. So what would it look like for me to be a professional nonprofit leader? Like if I was like the best in my field, what would that look like? And it takes time. It takes reps. It takes energy. It takes seeing things over and over and over again to see how things, how things pop. up. and the more you're in it, like you two have been in this work for a, a minute, right? Like you've been, you've been, you've been hustling and hustling and hustling. And then, Things become easier to make decisions because you've seen it before, right? You, you have this past experience that's, that's happening. And so I think the more you're in the work that you feel a sense of purpose and calling to do, the better decisions you're going to make because you've seen it over and over. So that's like, that's an interesting concept. I think that I'm really intrigued by, like, what does a professional look like for every industry?
1: It's like working a muscle, you know, a decision yeah. muscle. Over time, you strengthen that muscle with practice and practice. I love it. That's a great practical tip.
2: Yeah, I've actually um, kind of stolen the uh, the insurance model um, motto. You know, I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that really truly is how I feel. Right. Yeah. So going back to those decisions, decisions in some areas of my life are way easier to make because I've I've seen a thing or two. And so yeah. I know a thing oh, or two.
1: I love that. Right? That's great. That's <laughs> perfect. so good. So good. Yeah. So good. yeah, are yeah always, so,
0: we're, both, we're all from Atlanta. It's like, yeah. people are always, oh, the Atlanta traffic, Atlanta traffic, Atlanta traffic. It's like, we live here. We know when not to drive. Right. Like, <laughs> yes, we're not exactly. likely. That's experience. <laughs> it's it's it. an easy decision for us <laughs> of when not to go. It's people yeah, that are not yes, here. They're like, oh, it's so bad. You know, anyway.
2: Yes. Yeah. Gosh, Jeff, thank you so much for just sitting down with us today and talking about decisions and, and talking about leadership. And I love the uh, the list of what type of decision maker are we? I think that I this is great to think yes. through and helps us understand what our natural inclination to decision making is and where ultimately we can improve. Um, because I think that you would probably say there's good and bad things about each one of these. Mm -hmm. And you kind of probably need a little bit of all of them.
1: Yes.
0: I would say one last thing. If you are a leader, I want to encourage you because doing the work that you do is a weight you feel all the time. And you want to do it to the best of your abilities. I know that. And most people don't stop and let you know how hard it really is to lead people. So if you're in the middle of it and you're overwhelmed, I want to encourage you that it does make an impact on the people that you lead. And there's probably somebody watching you that is basing their future leadership on how you're leading today. So keep doing it. Keep doing the hard work. Keep encouraging the people on your team and making those hard decisions.
2: That's beautiful. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thank you. Wow, it was so awesome to have Jeff on the show today. He's Just great content. Man, love talking
1: about decision
2: making. He's
1: so encouraging.
2: Always. What a, what
1: a wonderful soul, you yeah. know? A great guy. Yeah. I really enjoyed talking to him.
2: And I have so much respect for John Maxwell and to hear just sort of his history with John and Zig Ziglar and like, wow, that's really cool. He was running with some big dogs as a kid. Ooh. Can you imagine <laughs> that being awesome. that young and hanging yes. out with such like pillars of leadership? Truly. And like, wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What a gift. That's what awesome. Gift.
2: Yeah. So what, yeah. what was your takeaway from our conversation today?
1: Yeah, I had a, I had a few, you know, probably I would say, you know, early on in the interview when we were talking about decisions being for your whole person, mm-hmm. that he really ran the lens of decision-making through how it was going to affect his marriage or how it would affect his yeah. family or his children. And, you know, making sure you're making decisions that don't only just support your career or your business, but that supports you as a person. So that to me was probably something that resonated with me. Absolutely. What about... What about you, Elsie? Yeah, I mean, I think I liked his practical tip. I think that as leaders,
2: we carry a lot of emotion into decision-making, especially with the weight that we carry of an organization or a project. And so at times, we kind of use that gut reaction to quickly make Mm -hmm. a decision. And just the idea of being transparent with your team and saying, you know what, can I just have a hot second here? I need 20 minutes or, Mm -hmm. you know, or it could be, hey, can I can I answer that tomorrow? Like, and that's not yeah. a sign of being a weak leader or being disorganized or not knowing. Again, because we want to be such high achievers, but it's really the smart way to make a decision. Uh, you even said mm-hmm. it, like ask for the yeah. report, ask for more data yeah. before making yeah. that Dig decision. In. Yeah, so I thought yeah. that was just a really yeah. good practical mm-hmm. tip for our listeners today and for me. Good reminder. Mm-hmm. Well, as always, we have a download for you listeners so that you can take your one next step. This week's download is a quiz. What is your decision-making style? In less than five minutes, you can discover your decision-making style, which will help you make good choices even in difficult situations.
1: Yes, so text the phrase One Next Step to 31996 or visit onenextsteppodcast.com and you'll get access to today's resource to help you keep moving forward. Thank you for joining us today. And don't forget to join us next week for more practical tips and actionable tools to advance your business one step at a time. Start by making today count. Guys, tune into the podcast next week when we will have David Horsiger, CEO of Trust Edge Leadership Institute. He's going to talk to us about his eight pillars of trust, explain why trust matters, and how to build it as a leader. Here's a preview of what you can expect.
0: It is so difficult for leaders to keep clarity in this world because of two things, time and change. I mean, we'll talk about trust right now and tomorrow people will forget. It was, oh, I really love that podcast. It was, oh, that was really, it was about, uh, I mean, we we have such a busy, fast-paced, noisy world. We're losing clarity every day because of time and change. Thanks for listening to One Next Step. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then, join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com.